Well, here we are in week number three of this series called He Gets Us. It's based on the commercials that many of us have seen going around. Uh, it's an attempt by a group of Christians to reintroduce the world, uh, but specifically the United States, to the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible that uh, laid the example for all of us to love and to show compassion to others. Before I get into the message today, uh, I shared this through email and on social media, but right now we're doing a uh, survey. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear back from everybody in our congregation on this. If you've already taken it, we've had a large number already take it, thank you. Uh, but if you've not taken our Jesus Pulse survey yet, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, you can scan that QR code, it'll take you right there, or you can text TJCJP, that's the Journey Church Jesus Pulse, 923, September 2023, see how I did that? Uh, so TJCJP923 to the phone number 90888. In other words, snap a picture of this screen with your phone and do it later. Uh, and so we'd love to, it's, it's simple, I think maybe 15, 20 minutes at the most for those of you taking it. Can you give me a quick nod? I don't know how long it takes, but. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take 49, but yeah, it probably does say that. Oh, 429. That's what tripped me and Emily up. <laughs> she was like, it took me five minutes. Uh, that would be in the middle of 429, but not 49. All right, so there you go. So five minutes or less maybe, but uh, just a quick survey to, to kind of take the pulse of the church, where are we at on, on different areas. Uh, we'll reveal those results uh, after the survey ends. I think I set it to end at the end of this month. Uh, and so you got a few more weeks to take it. But we'll probably take this about every six months just to see if there's growth or change or anything like that. It's just a good indicator of our spiritual health for me. So I'm going to leave that. just leave that up for just another minute, Jeff. I see some people with their phones out. So, Hey, Trevor, am I all right just to get rid of this? Yeah. Today, excuse me, today's topic is weighty. It's heavy. And um, as much as I love to insert humor when I can, uh, there, there won't be any of that today. Um, today we're going to be talking about anxiety. We're going to talk about worry. We're going to talk about the things that keep us up at night. And before I jump into the words of my message, I want to give a disclaimer that I always give when I broach a subject like this. Today's message is not about clinical depression. It's not about uh, diagnosed severe anxiety. Uh, those are things that I'm not referring to when I go through the points of this message. Those are things that if you have those, I hope and pray that you're finding the help you need by a counselor or a therapist. Today, what I want to try to tackle is the everyday anxiety, the worry that uh, so many of us have uh, that impacts our lives in small and even some big ways. And so let's take a look at today's commercial to introduce this topic. So as you can see in that commercial, there are lots of different scenarios that create anxiety in our lives. Thomas Paine 
in the American crisis back in 1776, wrote these words, these are the times, these are the times that try men's souls. Maybe you've heard that quote before, but maybe, maybe you'd say I connect with that quote a little bit more today. These are the times that try men's souls. You see, Thomas Paine, he wrote those words as a part of that essay on December 23rd, 1776. It was two days before General Washington's famous Christmas Day crossing of the Delaware River to defeat the Hessians. This group of Germans who the British had um, uh, recruited to help fight the battle. And Washington read that essay to his anxious soldiers. For all of us in the room, in one way or another, the past several years have tried our souls as well, hasn't it? Most of us, whether we want to admit it or not, most of us are walking around one big ball of stress and anxiety. Our health, inflation, politics, conspiracy theories, our kids, our jobs, our finances, our marriages, our future that really big decision we need to make and the clock is ticking and it's not ticking in our favor. There's even a part of many of us that wonders if COVID is going to come back in some way and we'll have to quarantine again. Whatever the weight is for you, the weight is real and the weight of life is impacting all of us. And of course we can deny it We can deny the weight of this world or the anxiety and worry that comes along with it, but may I remind us all that our bodies remind us regularly, don't they? Why does it seem like I'm always sick? Why can I not wake up in the morning and all I think about all day long is taking a nap? Why can't I stop eating candy in bed late at night? These are all my confessions, by the way. Why do I not sleep as solidly as I once did? For me, I have this spot right here on my back. And regularly that spot will just tighten up. And it takes me a little while to realize why, but it happens so regularly, my first instinct should be, I've got anxiety. I've got stress. I'm worried about something, but instead I usually go to Consuelo. I'm like, man, my back hurts right here. And then she's like, well, of course, because this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm stressed. Our bodies remind us all the time that stress and anxiety and worry are very real, and they're having a very real impact on us. But here's the good news. Jesus gets it. Jesus gets this, and he gets us. Jesus faced challenges and suffering, even to the point of death on the cross. He gets us. And even in his most anxious moments, he still looked to his Father, his heavenly Father. And listen to me, church, you and I, we can do the same. In fact, for Jesus, it was in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, this famous sermon that he goes over all of these different topics, but right in the middle of it, he gives all of us hope in the face of anxiety. 
He gives us this little glimmer of hope in the middle of worry. You see, in the preceding verses, Jesus described how we cannot serve two masters. Maybe you're familiar with that. He says if you try to serve two masters, attempting to do that, it leads to guess what? Anxiety. And in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, all of those verses center on trusting God rather than worrying. Trusting God rather than giving in to anxiety. Trusting God rather than allowing the things that worry us to cause us to sin. In fact, the term worry and anxiety or anxious are found six times throughout those verses. Now, the word worry in English, it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle. Don't you just love that? I'm being strangled. My anxiety is literally strangling me. And we say, yeah, pastor, I get that. It feels like I can't breathe. It feels like I can't even talk. The anxiety in me has welled up so much that I can't even share my deepest emotions. Of course, Jesus, he, he never sinned, but he did get anxious, just like you and me. There are things in our lives that are not in themselves sinful, but they can lead us to sin. Anxiety in itself, not a sin, but unchecked anxiety can lead to sinful thoughts and sinful behaviors. And so Jesus, he shows us a better way. One writer observes, to be devoted to Jesus Christ is to be freed from the anxiety and worry that so often characterize the fallen world in which we live. He continues, Jesus identifies three sources of anxiety. Our bodies, we worry over the length of our lives and the state of our health. Our food, we worry about what we'll eat and what we'll drink over diets and, and fats and carbohydrates. And our clothes, we worry about fashion and, and how we look and how we'll be accepted because of that. But this particular writer, Ian Campbell, he continues, he says, but, but in the kingdom of heaven, things are different. We have a father who cares for us. If he gives attention to the impersonal creation, will he not also meet the needs of his own people? If we, all of us collectively, if we as Christians prioritize his kingdom as his righteousness, we shall lack nothing. May that guide us today. So I just have a few quick points. I really want to invite you to write these down because if you're not anxious today, I know anxiousness is going to come. If you're not worried today, it will be here. And so these, I believe, will help you. Here's number one. Worry, worry divides perspective rather than allowing us to focus on what matters most. Worry divides perspective, rather than allowing us to focus on what matters most. In this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, and verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Here, if we translate the Greek for anxiety or worry, it's a word that actually means to divide. Anxiety or worry in the New Testament means to divide. And what worry does to us is it divides our attention. It divides our emotion. It divides our decisions. 
When we worry, our perspective easily is divided between what matters now and what matters most. It divides our attention between what matters now and what matters most. I'm sure we've all been there before, haven't we? We find ourselves so worried about some future event that we're absent emotionally, relationally, or even spiritually. We are absent from things that are happening now right in front of us. And Jesus here in this verse gives us two examples, food and clothing. Food, of course, important to life, but it is not ultimate. Food is important to life, but it is not ultimate. Can I get an amen there? Some of us imagine that eating out is sustaining life. Oh, I'm, I'm going to stay off that. <laughs> As Jesus told Satan when he was being tempted, man does not live by bread alone. And of course, clothing matters. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, no. <laughs> It's just, I knew you'd understand, like, when you're preaching, some things go through your head that you don't need to say out loud. And I was getting ready to say, how many of you are thankful that I'm clothed today? (laughs) But I'm like, I don't need to say that out loud, because I already know the answer. (laughs) Clothing matters. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) But when you and I become obsessed with style or comparing ourselves to others, we can experience real anxiety based on that envy. Or when we place a higher value on the material things of life and we convince ourselves that what we have is the only way to know if God loves us. I mean, if we have a good paying job, then God must love and accept me. But if I'm barely making ends meet, then I tend to ask God, God, what did I do? It's a wrong perspective. It's a divided perspective. The material things of life should never dictate our peace. Worry causes us to to live this divided life where we look at God, look to God for spiritual help, but we depend on ourselves for physical needs. We look to God for spiritual help, but we look to ourselves for physical needs. On a larger scale, we see this when we divide the sacred from the secular. And we imagine some here that somehow that God cares more for the sacred than he does for the secular. Jesus is not at all saying that physical needs are unimportant, but he's saying that there is something that's way more important. And building on those preceding verses about our inability to serve two masters, Jesus says that our perspective should begin with God's providence and God's care rather than our immediate need. We should start with God, number one and first, rather than focusing first on our immediate need. God, listen to me, God is Lord over all our life, spiritual, physical, financial, relational, mental, emotional, and vocational. God is the God over all of our lives, and when we separate our daily life into these different categories, these different buckets, and we only allow God to pour into one or two of those buckets, we explicitly exclude God from some of the most important parts of our lives, and that is where anxiety sets in. Worry, anxiety, causes a divided perspective. 
And when you and I understand what matters most, we can find freedom from anxiety. You may be asking about the times when Jesus experienced anxiousness. Pastor, you said he did. Where is it at? Well, Matthew chapter 26 and verses 36 through 39 is an example. He was struggling with the weight of taking on the sin of humanity. Could you imagine? The agony of the cross. And he says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, and this is where we connect, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And we say, yes, Jesus, that's where I am today. Yes, Jesus, I've been there recently. Yes, Jesus, I've been camped out there too long, and I need help. Jesus gets us because he cares, everybody. And the things that cause worry described before, like food and clothing, was never his cares. His biggest care about you and me is the connectedness of our soul to our Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek first, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these other things will be okay. Similarly, the word that Paul uses for anxiety is the same word that, that or the, the same word that we see here used for anxiety is the same word Paul uses for Uh, defining the care that he has for his churches. He worried about their well-being and their growth, but he wasn't driven to sin by failing to acknowledge acknowledge God's care for them. And when worry divides us, causing us to be tormented over things that are not worthy of such worry, or when worry causes us to disbelieve in God's presence or God's providence, it does not help. Jesus gets us everywhere. Jesus gets us, and he also shows us that we can release this type of worry. Here's point number two. Write it down. Worry detracts from our position. Somebody needs to hear this today. In Christ, we are secure. Position, because in Christ, we are secure. Matthew chapter 6, verses 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They don't reap, store away in barns. And yet, and yet, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone add a single hour to your life by worrying? And Jesus, in this moment, he moves from food and clothing now to birds. And birds, of course, are industrious. They are constantly at work providing for themselves and their young. God's created this world for the bird. God has created this world for the bird to provide for themselves and their young. And he created this world where birds can find food and flourish. And he says to you and me, how much more loved and valuable are you? He says anxiety, it has no impact, no stature on life. The length of your life is already ordained. Worrying is not going to add an hour. 
simple lesson in life is to just not worry about the things we cannot control. I am a control freak. Anybody out there like me? I don't like to be out of control. I don't like to not know the next step or the next 25 steps. I like to just, you know, keep my hands wrapped around it, and if I can't, then I panic. Maybe you're like me. We can't add to our lives anything that matters for good beyond what God ordained. We cannot add anything to our lives that matters for good beyond what God ordained. We can serve the Lord with a single mind in the time we have. In fact, I would actually say the opposite might be true. Studies have shown that instead of adding an hour to your life by worrying, you can actually shorten your life by worrying. And Jesus, he goes on to compare the lesser to the greater. By comparison, you and I, we are far more valuable than birds. God created the world in such a way that birds are provided for, yet you and I, we are created in the image of God, unlike anything else in creation. And when Jesus asks his rhetorical question, are you not of more value than they, we of course know the answer, well, yeah. But yet, we forget about our standing with God. And when the worries of life and the anxieties of life come along, we somehow put that aside and imagine, well, this one's up to me. Rather than saying, the birds are provided for, how much more am I? And Jesus, he amplifies this truth by using the words, Heavenly Father. It rings back to the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? This intimate reference to our God in heaven, our heavenly Father, in hopes to say to us, listen, your relationship with God is so much more significant than any animal or any plant. He is your heavenly Father. And of course, there are times when we need further help through counseling or other treatment when anxiety just becomes crippling. But when we learn to rest in our identity with God through Jesus Christ, we can find ourselves more and more trusting God's care over our feelings of anxiety. In fact, Scripture gives us a few ways to battle anxiety. Here, here are just four quick ways to flip the script on anxiety. This is super practical. Number one, refocus our thinking. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul tells us not to worry. But then he immediately points our thoughts to what is good and what is true. He says, don't worry. And hey, here's some good stuff for you to think about. Refocus our thinking. Number two, emphasize gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul reminds us to give thanks when? In all circumstances. Recognizing that God's grace and God's provision abound even in those smallest things. Or prioritize rest and reflection. We are the most tired generation ever. That's not statistical. I just made that up. But we are very tired. We need to prioritize rest and reflection. We move too quickly from one thing to another. God designed the Sabbath for rest. Remind us all that our bodies and our minds need that time to unplug and rest. 
I become the most anxious and the most worried when I'm tired. Even Jesus himself regularly and frequently escaped the busy crowds for quiet times of prayer. May we all do the same. And then lastly, seek counsel. Get some help. Listen, the weight of the world is too heavy for you to carry by yourself. That's a good one. Somebody write that one down. The weight of the world is way too heavy for you to carry by yourself. You need others. You need a church body. You need a family. Again, it's why I love care and connection ministry. I'm going to talk about it 100 times, TR. Uh, but I love what they do because they literally come alongside people when they need help the most. And they lift them up. They help to carry the burden. Hopefully they help to bring a little joy and a little light into their life. Scripture is filled with the importance of listening to wise counsel. And at times, this needs to be from trained professionals, of course. But can I just say, I'm here. I would love to meet with you. I would love to talk with you. Work with you through whatever's going on in your life. Here's number three. Worry distracts us from God's provision. Because, come on, somebody, God is our provider. Worry distracts us from that. Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount continues. And why? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor and spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you little, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Jesus, of course, here continues this metaphor of clothing. And in creation, God outshines any fashion designer known to man. The wildfires are more gorgeous than a new blouse. And Jesus also contrasts the fleeting life of flowers. Alive today, burned tomorrow. But he contrasts it with us, who are eternal. So not only are we worth more than the flowers, but our value again to God is great. Stuart Weber in his commentary on Matthew, he says these words, you have little faith in this context. Jesus' tone was not scolding, but coaxing and reasoning. He was, he was asking, do you trust your father or not? Not with a slap in our face, but with an arm around our shoulder. Jesus was not belittling his disciples here. He was encouraging them upwards. And I would think he challenges all of us today. Are you a person of little faith or do you trust your heavenly father? In other words, God is not wanting to point out our faults, but he's wanting to gently push us toward that significant faith where we trust him at all times. Jesus, he again argues from the lesser to the greater in these verses God cares for the birds and brings beauty to the earth from the flowers. So how much more will he care for his children? Even Solomon was not clothed like the flowers. Solomon, whose wisdom and palace, his attendants, left the queen of Sheba breathless. Cannot compare to God's creation. And we can entrust our lives to the God who does things well. In verse 25 here, it's a command to not be anxious. 
And then verse 31 specifically calls us not to grow in anxiety. And when we sense anxious thoughts coming to our minds, that is the time to continue the agricultural metaphor. We need to weed them out before they take over our minds. Weed them out. The analogy of clothing used by Jesus here is interesting. I want to invite you for just a moment to think about your closet. No, no, really, think about your closet. What were the choices you made this morning in getting dressed? Was it a difficult choice? Did it take you a long time? Were there lots of clothes to sort through before you found what you were looking for? Did you visit a second closet because you couldn't find what you wanted in the first? See, we can be obsessed with looking good, with keeping up with fashion, with expressing our identity through clothes. But that focus, as Jesus points out here, that focus can obscure a very basic truth about the abundance of our precision. Think again about your closet. How many clothes in your closet have been sitting unused for six months? A year or five years even. I'm, not, I'm trying not to look at my specific. <laughs> I literally just finally went through my closet. Was that last week or the week before? Last week. And, and probably cleaned out half of it. Seriously. Like it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And we donated it here to Pathway of Hope so they can use it to clothe the homeless. I mean, it's, it was two garbage bags full of my clothes. I got a problem. <laughs> but even beyond the abundance of our clothing, we can sometimes fail to see those basic provisions from God like food or housing or employment. I mean, some of you have been unemployed, you know, <laughs> You know the value of having a job, don't you? You know how you have fervently prayed to God to open that door for you to find employment. And when he does, and when he does, it's a miraculous provision moment for you. In telling us, you and me, not to worry, Jesus is actually reminding us of God's provision. And he doesn't provide for you and me because of obligation. He provides because he loves. He wants the best for us. God's deep love for us is vastly greater than the flowers or the birds, and so is his provision. Here's number four. I'm going to get rolling. Worry dilutes our purpose. God's plans are greater. Look to your neighbor and say, God's plans for you are greater. All right. Look at your other choice and say the same thing. Go on. Some people are here alone. They need somebody to turn to them and say it. Come on. Matthew 6, 32, for the pagans run after all these things. We don't really use that word pagan a whole lot anymore. Um, maybe around Halloween we do. Uh, but, but we could say that the world runs after all these things. The world pursues those things. Secularized culture pursues those things. But you, your father already knows that you need them. Don't allow your pursuit of those things to trump your relationship with God. Our purpose, of course, is not to obsess over our daily needs, but to walk in faith that God will meet them. 
And that's what separates us from the world. After all, being anxious doesn't really solve anything, does it? I love this quote from Stoic philosopher Seneca. Seneca said, He suffers more than than is necessary who suffers before it is necessary. Read that again. He suffers more than is necessary who suffers before it is necessary. And some of you, okay, listen, I got a colonoscopy this June. And I was suffering for weeks before that. Turned out it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't get as many amens on that as I thought might come. But I worry about things way ahead of time. And it does no good. Is is it just me? Is this message just for me? I'm sorry. He suffers more than is necessary who suffers before it is necessary. When our lives are marked by worry, even for things like food and clothing, we hinder our witness before those who do not know Jesus. But when we live in such a way that shows faith in God to provide the things that we need, it creates in us and through us a powerful, powerful testimony. Because all people, believe it or not, they need food and clothing. Imagine that. But when there's a lack of faith in God, the fruits of one's life may look closer to a consumerism-driven style. Mm. When we live for temporal, physical things, our faith is not visible to others who may be watching us. Some people, put it this way, some people live to eat. But followers of Jesus, we eat to live. A change of perspective, won't it? Some people live for fashion, but followers of Jesus focus on being adorned with the things of God. And of course, all people become anxious about food and shelter and clothing and lots of other things. But as believers, as believers, we have an opportunity to anchor our faith in solid ground and become a light that others need to see. God has this purpose for each of us. Is far greater than survival. Warren Worsby says this in his uh, commentary. The person who pursues money thinks that riches will solve his problems. When in reality, when in reality, riches will create more problems. Material wealth gives this dangerous, false sense of security, a feeling that often ends with tragedy. The birds and the lilies they don't fret, they don't worry, yet they have God's wealth in ways that man cannot duplicate. And all of nature depends on God, and God, listen to me, never fails. Here's number five. It's the last one for today. Worry detains us from our priority. God's kingdom matters most. Continuing on with the Sermon on the Mount, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself Each day, as we all know well, has enough trouble of its own. The climax of this section is verse 33. It's one of the better known verses in all of the Bible. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In essence, it is the theme of the entire Bible, isn't it? When we have faith in God's care and we focus on the Father and we put his kingdom first, we can overcome worry and anxiety. Our consuming priority is for God's reign to be apparent in our lives and for his righteousness to be evident. Come on, somebody. This is his reminder of the power of the gospel. 
We are aliens to God's kingdom, bankrupt before God, but, but through Christ we have been given eternal life and an inheritance in Christ. That's good news. King David from the Old Testament, he shows us the same truth in Psalm 37. He says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. You see, there's a first step. We can't just say, well, God, give me the desires of our heart if we're not taking delight in the Lord. If we're not delighting in his presence, if we aren't delighting in our worship, if we aren't delighting in his provision, he will not give us the the desires of our hearts. But when we delight in him and who he is, we can expect the promise to be fulfilled. When you and I seek what matters first to the Lord, the rest takes care of itself. But what of people who suffer? You see, will be added means to a degree in this life, but ultimately we will enjoy all things in the life to come. It's a reminder that through Christ we were born to eternal life, and this life that we find ourselves in is a vapor in comparison. The hurts and the hang-ups, the suffering and the things that we walk through. They are never promised to be taken care of, alleviated, or neatly tied up in this life. But we can fully expect that in the life to come, there will be no more tears, no more crying. There will be joy unspeakable and never-ending. And verse 34 reminds us that this is a daily decision. We never arrive at complete freedom from anxiety, and I hate to inform you. This life, we will have trouble. We will have anxiety. We will have worry. But one of the ways we can know that we're growing in our faith is to see the way that those anxious thoughts and triggers from a few years ago don't affect us the same now. Counselors often encourage those struggling with anxiousness to focus on positive and encouraging thoughts. And here's just a couple of ways I hope are practical for you to be anchored in Scripture. Number one, try starting your morning by reading Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I don't see anybody writing that down. That's good advice. Start your day several days in a row. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And as you're doing that, memorize Matthew 6, 33. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 and memorize verse 33. Start your day every day just by reading that. And see if things don't change for you. See if the anxiety and worry in your life begins to diminish or at least come into perspective. Or how about writing down and repeating to yourself statements that are based on verses? Like this one God will provide for me as he does for the birds. So beautiful. God will provide for me as he does for the birds. Or God cares for his creation and I am even more valuable to him. God cares for his creation, and I am even more valuable to him. If you want, I can post these on social media later. How about this one? God has a purpose for me today, and that starts with seeking his kingdom first. God has a purpose for me today, and that starts with seeking his kingdom first. Now, to close, I want to just share a few quotes with you that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Charles Spurgeon famously said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. 
Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Max Lucado, pastor and best-selling author, says, no one can pray and worry at the same time. So pray first. I'm a figure-it-out guy, and then when I can't figure it out, then I'll pray. No, 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 pray first. But I know who, no, no, pray first. But if I just do, no, no, pray first. Pray first, pray first, pray first. And in his final quote, a Christian's freedom from anxiety is not due to some guaranteed freedom from trouble, but to the folly of worry and especially to the confidence that God is our Father, that even permitted suffering is within the orbit of his care. Whatever you're walking through, know that he gets us. Jesus gets us. And it's not whether or not we will face times of anxiety or face times of worry or face times of doubt and even fear. The question really is, is what will our response be? Will we allow it to take us towards some sinful response or will we pray first? Turn it over to God and allow him to work in and through us. So we're going to close in a little different way today. First thing, we have another text thread. Did you get them last week? Man, so, so good, so good, so timely. This week, you will text the word anxiety to that same phone number, 844-456-1514. You can do that right now. Take out your phone, I don't mind. Text the word anxiety to that phone number in three days this week. If you do it today, you'll get it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Three days this week, you will get a text message. It'll just give you a little prayer prompt, a word of encouragement, and a scripture to click on and read. Isn't that great? I think that's great. I think it's helpful. It brightened my week, and I hope that it does the same for you. Go ahead and leave that up there just for another minute, Jeff, if you would, please. You'll get an email later if you're on our email list with this in it as well. And at this time, I want to invite our prayer teams. Prayer teams, will you please stand and move to the sides here. Go ahead, don't delay. If you're one of our prayer teams, go ahead and move. If you're not familiar with the church, uh, we do this uh, regularly. These are, these are teams of people that uh, I try to say it as clear as I can. They want to pray with you. Uh, they want to pray with you. And so... Uh, if you're a person here today and you've been listening to what I've said and maybe something's in you that you say, you know, I need prayer for that. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm finding myself at a place where uh, this is just too much for me to handle. Or maybe you know somebody that fits that category. Or maybe you have a prayer request that doesn't even match that at all. It can be anything. It can be job-related, money, whatever it is, health. Find one of these prayer teams. We're going to put on some music, I think, here for just a moment. And I hope this isn't awkward. We don't normally close this way. Uh, but I just really felt compelled to, to do this. So uh, can we have a few more prayer teams? Who else is? Uh, Jenny and Carl, would you mind being a prayer team for us, please? Thank you. Uh, who else I see? Consuela, can you find somebody or do you need to shoot out? What's that? Okay. Uh, why don't you grab? Oh, are you guys? Who's Taylor?